Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard, the Black Friday edition of the Yard. Hope you are well wherever you are today. It is Egg Bowl Eve, and so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the matchup between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the game. There were a couple weeks ago that maybe most of us were kind of dreading this game. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it now. So we'll see how things go. Wherever you are today, I hope it's a payday for you. It is a Friday. So for you bi-weekly wage earners and weekly wage earners, should be the day. If you get paid last uh, working day of the month, could be the day. I don't know. But I hope that you had the funds to get out and go have some fun this weekend with those you love. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving day. I, we did here. I tell you, we had, uh, we had you know a few people here. had the kids home. Had the grandbaby here for her first Thanksgiving. It's amazing what that does to you as a parent to see your child have a child. It, uh, they don't stay long enough. You can't do enough for them. You go broke trying to take care of uh, every little thing they, they want and need. But, uh, yeah, it's a different dynamic entirely when you become a grandparent. It's, it is a different deal, to say the least. I think it makes you love your kids that much more, too. Because you know how much fun they're having, and you know the experience yourself, and and uh, I know for us it was uh, it was a great time. I hope that you all had a chance to be with those you love the most. I know many people were unable to do that. I know some listened to the show, contacted me, and said, "Hey, you know what, Steve? We're not getting together this year. You know, we've had some people in the family that have been COVID positive. We've had some other people that uh, are a little bit vulnerable, and so we're just kind of playing it safe and uh, didn't get a chance to get together the way they had hoped and." Um, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of part of the deal. So maybe next year. Maybe we can uh, have some normalcy next year. You know, who knows? But, uh, again, uncertain times with which we are living in. But uh, even if we can't get together and, uh, and break bread and that sort of stuff, there's nothing to stop us from reaching out and telling each other that we love each other. And I made it a point yesterday to, to call all of my siblings and tell them that. Tell them that I love them. And uh, I had my brother and his wife here, but uh, I've got four sisters. I reached out to all four of them and let them know that I loved them. And uh, I think that's important now more than ever because we never know what tomorrow holds. And uh, we've had some tragedy in the Starville community. We had uh, Brittany Phillips, a uh, you know Bulldog fan and uh, kind of a local celebrity of sorts, uh, sadly uh, had her life taken you know, uh, over the weekend. And so our thoughts and prayers go out to – if you know her from Instagram, you know her as Brittany Ray. That's R-H-E-A. And uh, if you knew her personally, you know her as Brittany Phillips. As a matter of fact, I saw her on the sidelines at Mississippi State games uh, more than once. And uh, tragic situation, a young mom of, uh, of two young children. And so we, uh, we think about those kids and uh, all the people that love her. So our, our thoughts and prayers here at the Boneyard go out to those that love Brittany Phillips. And uh, that's not to diminish anyone else's loss, but uh, she was very highly thought of here in Starkville, and a lot of people loved her and thought a lot, a lot of her and her family. So, uh, again, rest in peace, Brittany. We, uh, we wish you the best, and, and your children especially. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. Listen, I have been there recently. You should make the same claim. It's a great meal at a great plot price at a great place. And there are two of those great places now to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. A lot of people love that place. I encourage you to get the spring rolls. It is the best appetizer in Starkville proper. It prepares you for the great delicacies that await with that great restaurant quality hamburger that only Bulldog Burger Company can bring. 
If you're like me and you like to walk on the wild side a little bit, let me encourage you try to get the mission. I get the the Pico de Gallo on the side. Or you can get the Smokehouse. You can get, uh, you know, the Bryant, the Lauren. But if you just want a great rock and roll, straightforward American hamburger, you get the Bulldog. There's no going wrong with that. Even on a bad day, the Bulldog will make you feel better about your lot in life. And the portions are so tremendous there. I don't know that I've ever finished, you know, a burger and the fries or even the salads there. If you're a little bit health conscious, you can get uh, the salads there. You can get a sweet heat chicken sandwich. A lot of other options at Bulldog Burger Company. But uh, listen, the house specialty is the hamburger. You know, you wouldn't go there and order a pizza. You know, you go there for the hamburger. So go check them out. If you're looking for somewhere tomorrow to watch the game and congregate with other Egg Bowl fans, go to Bulldog Burger Company, have an adult beverage, and uh, enjoy in some camaraderie as we get ready to uh, to anoint one team as the state champions for 365 days. And I hope and pray that's us. All right, since we have been together, a couple things have happened of note. Uh, you guys are well aware that the Mississippi State men's basketball team dropped both games out there in the, uh, I guess, the Space Coast Challenge. I guess it's what they're calling it. Don't tell the folks in Central Florida they might fire off a cease and desist letter because of the fact we use the term space. But, yeah, we went out there and we didn't play exceptionally well, especially the first game. And uh, it is disappointing. But as I mentioned kind of on Wednesday's show, you know, here's the deal. It's a very, very young team that has got to get used to playing together. There is going to be a certain amount of uh, growing pains. It's, uh, it's inevitable. I don't like it any more than you do. Uh, this team is going to struggle to get 500. I mean, they really are. And uh, we really look bad against Clemson. Uh, couldn't shoot free throws. And that's the thing, too. If we're going to pound the ball inside – and look to draw contact. We've got to be able to make those free throws, and then we've got to be able to have some perimeter defense too against Liberty. We really struggled. Both Clemson and Liberty both, you know, found a way uh, to find some range against us from deep, and uh, that's disappointing. I mean, it really is. Uh, There's a couple things in life that that happen in basketball, and uh, learning to play perimeter defense is one of the first things you learn. But, um, you know, there's some frustrating things about the team already. You look at it and you say, you know what, this has got we've got to do a better job than this. Some of the times on the fast break, we struggle to find a guard. I don't know why that is. We really struggled uh, to get the ball to a guard on the fast break. We had some big guys trying to handle it and kind of hammer it down low and handle the ball on the open floor. It didn't work out very well. Uh, Tulu Smith looked pretty good through the first couple of ball games. Uh, 17 rebounds, which leads the team. Eight of those on the offensive glass, averaged 16 points and uh, made the uh, the all tournament team. Not a huge surprise, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's good to see him out there making some things happen. Got to stay out of foul trouble, but uh, yeah, Toulouse Smith's a guy that's going to be able to help us this year. DJ Stewart also 16 points, which is uh, tied for the team lead. Uh, pulled down nine boards in the two games, had six assists, had 10 turnovers though. That's we got to bring that down. State has 32 turnovers as a team, 10 of them charge to DJ Stewart. Abdul Adu kind of doing what he does. You know, he's a guy that you can't really run the offense through, but uh, at least he made his free throws, four or five from the line, uh, 800% there, 14 points in the two games combined, and then pulled down 12 boards. Altered some shots, had the one big block, and, uh, you know, Tulo Smith's helping down on the post too with four blocks down there, but it's going to be a young team. It's going to be a year in transition. And listen, I understand that the emotional investment in Mississippi State men's basketball is pretty slim. 
you know, I get it. There are a lot of people I talked to. I was at the lodge today signing books, and people said, you know what, Steve, I just, you know, I just really don't have a lot invested in this team. I really don't even care that much. And that is what is the saddest part of all of this, is that we have grown so apathetic about men's basketball. We joked among ourselves when they limited capacity to 25, and you're beginning to think, okay, well, if we're limited 25%, that's not going to be too far off what we normally do. And that, that's a good joke, but there's some truth in that. We have not turned out uh, to watch this team over the last few years. We just haven't. I mean, you know, we turn out for the Ole Miss game. We turn out for some big games on the weekends. But by and large, we're not, we're not a, a fan base that supports men's basketball unless we're winning. And we've not put a good quality product on the floor, uh, you know, for the most part. You know, last year, people forget we were fourth in the SEC last year. Really good down the stretch, lost some ball games we shouldn't have earlier in the conference schedule. But you go back two years and you think, okay, you had three NBA draft picks on that team and Quindarrick Weatherspoon, uh, Robert Woodard II, and Reggie Perry, and yet we couldn't win an NCAA tournament game. So I get the angst. I do. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I fully understand why some of our fans are, are not on board. Uh, with our men's basketball program. And that's got to change. You know, that, that has got to change. And I've read with great interest on our message boards. People say, you know what? we got to turn out. It's just like when Mullen was here back in 09. He kept Im- imploring people to come to ball games. Say, hey, you, you come and you turn out, and you have a sellout crowd when you play Houston, when you play Alcorn State, and then the program comes right behind it. And you know, there may be some truth to that. But I know this, for the Bulldog family of four, if you're going to make that midweek drive from Jackson to Starkville, you want to watch us win, and we have been very a very good home team uh, the last few years. We've struggled on the road, but if you've got to make that decision more times than not, you're going to bring your kids to see the ladies play because you know it's almost a guaranteed win. And we turn out, and I uh, had some students tell me today at the lodge said, "You know what? I'm I don't know that I'm going to go to a game this year for the men. I'll go see the ladies, but not the men. But something has to change." And uh, it's going to be difficult this year because Howland, I think, really needs to build some support within the fan base. And I don't know if he has a team that he's really capable of doing that. You know, the hope is, of course, that uh, we get this thing turned around here in a non-conference schedule and begin to kind of win some of our fan base back. That's the hope, anyway. Uh, So the next time the men are in action will be November 30th, uh, coming up against Texas State. That's on Monday. That's on Monday, 7 p.m., Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, 
and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Texas State. Also of note, the women's basketball tournament, you know, against uh, we expected to play UConn in game two, which has been a good measuring stick for us. That also uh, didn't get played. There are a lot of games around the country that did not get played. And this whole protocol for, uh, for basketball is going to make it exceptionally tough. You almost want to put your team in a bubble and have them take all online classes and live among themselves in some type of commune. But the women will open the season this Sunday. And uh, they've added Jackson State Sunday. It's a 3 o'clock game. There will be no TV. There will be no fans allowed. So you can listen on the radio. Bumped into Anthony Crowder today, and he tells me that they're going to do – it's basically going to be like a you know, dress rehearsal of many respects for – for game day, they're still going to do the announcement. They're still going to have the big introductions. They're still going to do everything like a normal game day for the players. They want The players want to have the most normal game day experience they can have without fans, and so they're going to do that. Anthony's still going to do the announcing, uh, and again, radio will be there for that. So that's again on Sunday. So if you're looking for some Mississippi State sports here, you're going to get three straight days of it. Egg Bowl Saturday, women's basketball Sunday versus Jackson State, and then Monday versus Texas State, all of those uh, games obviously important to us in many respects. So that's kind of where we stand. Another programming note, Mississippi State-Missouri was originally scheduled to be played on December 5th. That's next Saturday. That game has been postponed. There were three games that were impacted. Ole Miss versus LSU, off. Alabama versus Arkansas, off. Arkansas will now play Missouri. Alabama will play LSU in primetime on CBS State and Ole Miss without dance partners. It's a little more complicated for Ole Miss because they've already had the A&M game move too. Um, and so it'll be interesting to kind of see how things move forward. I expect us to play Missouri on December 19th. You know, we had talked on the show a couple weeks ago to kind of take the schedule with a grain of salt because Greg Sankey had been given the autonomy by the university presidents to kind of move games around as they need to, to ensure we get the 10-game schedule played. And so that still expects to happen. Uh, I would have liked to have played Mizzou next week because I think that we've got a very good chance of beating them. 
Now that game would potentially fall after the Auburn game. And people look at that and say, well, Steve, you know, what kind of shape are we going to be in? You know, with COVID, you simply don't know. You simply do not know. It's crazy to even think about that. There were some people, uh, some of the fan base media on the Ole Miss side that have been kind of saying for weeks that State's trying to bow out of the Egg Bowl. Uh, That's a complete lie. That's not even a good lie. It's a complete lie. We never, ever, ever intended on not playing the game. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, I'm, I'm told there were no new COVID issues at Mississippi State this week. We've actually got more players making the trip. Uh, and I've seen some different numbers thrown around out there, but uh, the bottom line is it's basically everybody you had last week uh, plus a few more guys. And we've talked about that too. We expected to get some guys back. There was some discussion, you know, about some guys that didn't play against Georgia that would be out against this week. That's true for the most part, but there are some players, a small number, that uh, were contact tracers or COVID-positive guys during the Auburn week, which became an open date for us. So they missed that weekend, and then they missed the week of preparation for Georgia. Well, now their 14 days are up, and so they will be able to play this weekend. No names given, though we have heard some positive things about Malik Heath. We'll wait and see tomorrow. I think that would be huge for State to get Malik Heath back. We'll simply just have to let it play out. But from an injury standpoint, yeah, we should have some guys – we should have some guys back for that Missouri game that maybe are unavailable right now. I know of a couple of guys that are still working through concussion protocol that will not be available tomorrow, but should be available assuming that things continue to progress in a positive direction in the remaining uh, couple of games. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID between now and December 19th. We have no clue. And so to suggest that, well, we have everybody back, we don't know that. There could be another round of uh, COVID positives, and we could have some other guys that are contact tracers that end up missing that ball game. And so I think it's important for everybody to kind of get that and kind of understand that uh, the only thing that's consistent with all this is change. But we're going to go play a football game tomorrow, and I think we've got a good chance to go win that ball game, especially based on some of the things that I'm hearing. And so, again, we'll find out together tomorrow. But I do believe if Malik Heath is back, I believe that gives Mississippi State a huge advantage over what we had last weekend. I think we can all agree with that. So uh, that's where we are, you know, with that. Another interesting note, too, and unconfirmed reports right now, is that Ole Miss has actually had some COVID issues this week. Not, Not sure how severe it is or how widespread it is, but they have had some issues this week. And so, again, we'll find out tomorrow. That's what makes this, we talk about it being a novel virus, that's what makes this experience so novel for all of us is we never know from one week to the next who is going to be able to play. We never know from one week to the next who's going to test positive. We never know from one week to the next who we're going to play, if we're going to play. And so it changes on a week-to-week basis. And so everybody just take a deep breath. We're already on the way to Oxford. Matter of fact, we're probably in Oxford right now as you hear this. And we're getting ready to go play the Egg Bowl. Contrary to the reports of many people over the last couple of weeks, I guess in many ways they were trying to guilt us into play in the game, which is so ridiculous because we had every intention to play in the game all along. We're not scared people, and I've said this on the show many times, that a lot of those reports are from the same people that told you that the egg ball was going to be played week one. There was never any discussion about that at any point between the league, Mississippi State, or Ole Miss. It was never, I don't, I don't even know how those rumors get started. There was no truth to it. And then, of course, the, the schedule comes out and the crushing decade for, quote, sources 
continues. And then we get to this weekend, and you know what? We're going to play the Egg Bowl, and it's the COVID virus didn't make them any more uh, accurate in their reporting. And so, again, I say this with as much uh, disdain as I possibly can. You know, the first report out of the Ole Miss fan base media is, is generally not to be believed. It's, it's probably the best. I mean, the first thing you hear from them, just don't believe it. And then wait for things to unfold because it seems that their batting average is about a buck fifty right now. Let's kind of keep up with all that, and we'll kind of keep continue to push forward with that. We got a lot to talk about today, uh, so let's jump into um, the top ten list brought to you by the folks at my bookie. I considered changing it up today, but I decided to stick with it because I had somebody say, "Hey, Steve, I'd love to hear this one." So, top ten list brought to you by the folks at my bookie. I know that every one of you guys uh, took advantage of the uh, the Turkey Day free play on yesterday. Uh, but here's the deal. There are some other great betting options for you at MyBookie the rest of the weekend. So it's important that new players get their first deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks to help generate even more excitement to the greatest football weekend of the year. Make your first deposit, get extra cash. You can use on parlays, teasers, prop bets all weekend long. Use promo code BONEYARD to claim your bonus and your free bet. Uh, the best part is it's only the beginning. There are promotions all holiday weekend long. We had the Turkey free play, Turkey Day free play yesterday. Black Friday boosted odds today. And then we're going to finish strong on Monday with buy one, get one free, cyber Monday night football. That's why my, my bookie, they call football season your winning season. Check it out now. No risk. All gravy, baby. Don't forget to use promo code BONEYARD to claim your freebies. Again, that's my bookies. Top 10 list. We're going to go back to uh, late 80s. I know that probably comes as a, as a huge shock, you know, but uh, this group was a revolutionary group, not a rock group either, okay? But there are some rock elements because Rick Rubin was their producer. You know, Rick Rubin did a great job uh, kind of changing the direction of some bands like the Cult. You know, the Cult was kind of considered a new wave band. Rick Rubin said, you know what, you guys are a rock band. And next thing you know, Sonic Temple became the most successful album in the cult catalog. Rick Rubin also works on with Slayer. I mean, you know, just he's worked with anybody who's anybody. Rick Rubin worked with a group called the Beastie Boys. That's uh, MCA, Ad Rock, and Mike D, the Beastie Boys. So we're going to do top 10 Beastie Boys today. You know, what's interesting too, Beastie Boys started out just as, you know, three MCs, and then they learned to play their instruments and then they, they evolved into kind of an alternative rock band for a while they've got a lot of range but so here are my top 10 beastie boy songs before i get to that let me give you a few honorable mentions that didn't make the list hey ladies off paul's boutique great tune sure shot shake your rump and rhyming and stealing and rhyming and stealing just missed the list i almost redid the list because i dig that song so much that is the lead track on the debut album from the Beastie Boys. All right, so this is coming to you too. The request was from uh, Gordon, at Gordon Bombay 92 on Twitter. Gordon Bombay, the uh, coach of the, uh, the Mighty Ducks in the uh, Disney uh, trilogy there of the great children's movie, The Mighty Ducks. Uh, you know, I still think that whole Adam Banks thing, uh, moving from the Hawks to the, to the Ducks, was, uh, was handled poorly by the Hawks. But here we go, top 10. Off that debut album, She's Crafty. She gets around, she's always found, she's crafty. 
Number nine, also from the debut album, Brass Monkey. And I think everybody in the world knew this song. Everywhere I went, it seemed like even though this song wasn't a big single for them, everybody knew Brass Monkey, that funky monkey. Number eight, Root Down. This is when things got a little, little different for the uh, Beastie Boys. You know, there wasn't quite as much rock stuff. It was a little more deeper bass lines, a little more true to, uh, to hip-hop. Number seven, Pass the Mic. It's also off the Check Your Head album. Dig that song a lot. I think, I think it's an underappreciated classic. Number six on the list is Sabotage. And this is, again, when they were, they were beginning to play their own instruments. They weren't just behind the mic and uh, singing over a track out there. They were actually playing guitars and that sort of stuff. Number five, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Uh, one of those great sample songs, again, from the debut album. The whole, man, the first Beastie Boys album, it's like if you were, if you were a teenager in, say, 87, 88, everybody had this on cassette. Every, everybody. I mean, it wasn't just limited to rap fans or rock fans. Everybody had this album. Everybody. Number four, So What You Want, also off Check Your Head. And the music on that is so cool. It's almost like going into some kind of tantric dream or something. Number three, not a great single, selling-wise, but one of the best songs in the Beastie Boys catalog, number three, and it's Paul Revere. Riding across the land, kicking up sand, Sheriff Posse's on my back because I'm in demand. Uh, love that song. It's a great story. Go check it out. Uh, number two, this is one of those ones when I really felt like the BC Boys were back. You know, it's like they had kind of had some up and down years, and all of a sudden they came back and, and then did this groundbreaking stuff, but it's intergalactic. And uh, love the tune, love the big bass line in it, love the drums, all the percussion in it, so great. Love all the fill-in stuff kind of behind the scenes, all that extra noise and the music intergalactic. But number one, I mean, could it be anything else? It's fight for your right to party. It's the number one. It's the best Beastie Boys song of all time. And it's like, that's the song right there that really made them superstars right out of the gate. And you could not go into a nightclub, no matter what kind of nightclub it was. So you could go to a rock show. You could go, go to a dance club. Everybody had this song. Everybody played this song. And then everybody yelled at the top of their lungs, you got to fight for your right to party. Great tune, great band. Thanks for the suggestion, Gordon Bombay. If you have suggestions, please reach out. Let me know. I'm happy to talk about them. Uh, I won't do them all, but I will do my best to get to them eventually. It's uh, I, I enjoy doing them. We get a lot of repeats. You know, some people keep saying, "Steve, how about great rock covers?" And I'm thinking, I think I've done that twice already. We can always do more. But um, I love when people kind of get off the reservation a little bit. You know, we did the Cool and the Gang earlier in the week. And I had several people reach out and said, Steve, I love Cool and the Gang. I never knew that you were a fan, too. How could you not be a fan of some of these great bands? And it's great music, man. It's the ties that bind us together. There's so many things that we disagree about in life. It'll be politics, religion, sports, whatever. But music brings us together. I've got some strong opinions about some bands, but I'll tell you, I respect them all. I respect anybody that can put words together from their heart and then put music behind it and sing it and then elicit emotion from other people. I think it's tremendous. Not everything has to be a sad, seppy love song and just like, you know, fight for your right to party. There's nothing sentimental about that at all. But I know we can all look back at that and feel good about it at a time in our lives when things weren't quite so complicated. All right, Hawthorne, listen, Hawthorne's looking to make your life uh, a lot more pleasant. I love the Hawthorne products. I wear Hawthorne cologne every day, whether I leave the house or not. And if you're treating yourself or shopping for someone you love, finding the right holiday gift can be very difficult. But this holiday season, Hawthorne is making gift giving so fun and simple for you. Hawthorne is a premium tailored personal care brand that makes it easy for guys to feel and smell their best. And guys, you know it. You perform at your peak 
When you feel good about yourself and you know you smell good, there's something better than getting that compliment. Man, you smell good. Well, thank you very much. I think so too. You go to their website, hotthorn.co, and you take the little quiz. It's really simple stuff. They ask you questions like, do you smoke? What kind of drink do you like? Do you like spicy food? And they factor all these answers into your results. It's real simple. It's easy. It's even a little bit fun. Because so many of you guys are out there wearing cologne that doesn't fit you. you. You know, the wife or the girlfriend or whoever both uh, buy you cologne and you just wear it because it's just easier, right? It's easier for having somebody to make a decision for you. Let Hawthorne get you fitted for the right products. The products I got for myself are pretty simple. I got the, the work scent, the play scent cologne. I've got the, uh, the lotion. I've got the body wash. I've got the shampoo, the conditioner. I've got it all. It is a symphony of scent. You can get build personalized gifts for everybody on your list. Hawthorne's a fun and convenient way to get super high-quality products tailored specifically for men. Hawthorne even takes the risk out of it, giving you free shipping on your order and your return. That's right. If you don't like their products, they'll even retail them for you based on your feedback and ship them back out to you. So get special offers for your holiday season right now going on at Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And check out their special holiday offers. Again, that's Hawthorne.co. Let's get into some other things. Now let's talk some football. How about that? I know you guys are ready to get into the weekend. I am too. All right, it's going to be a fun weekend. I mean, that's the thing too, that there's been so many toss-ups throughout the year. But it does seem in the second half of the schedule, things have kind of settled in. And the teams you expect to win, win more times than not. I went 5-1 and one last week on the picks. Uh, Kentucky at Florida. I think Florida wins this game big. Kentucky's still so anemic offensively. And I think Dan Mullen can smell Atlanta from Gainesville. I think they're ready to close this thing out. And there's not a game on their schedule left that they shouldn't win until they get to Atlanta. I think Alabama will get after them pretty good. Vanderbilt at Mizzou. I, I like Mizzou here. I would have loved Mizzou to come in and start next week. I expect us to win that game next week or two weeks from now whenever we do play it. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, they've got some interesting pieces. And I could see Vanderbilt winning this game, to be honest with you. I, I don't think Mizzou is quite as proficient offensively as we saw against LSU. They've only scored 20 points or more just the one time the entire year. Vanderbilt has improved week after week down the stretch here. I could see them making this game awfully interesting. They absolutely could. Auburn uh, at Alabama. Nick Saban won't coach, but uh, Auburn just doesn't have the horses, I think, to run with Alabama. Alabama may be the best team Nick Saban's had. I mean, they are outstanding. That was the thing. We kind of we messed around and let Nick Saban start recruiting blue chip quarterbacks, and uh, our lives have never been the same. I really like this Alabama team. They're defensive. They're, they're not dominant defensively, but they're good enough defensively to kind of keep you honest. And so Auburn, I know that will come out and they'll have some new wrinkles. I just don't know that they can match up with Alabama on the back end. I look for Mac Jones and those wide receivers. Uh, Devontae Smith have a huge, huge day. LSU at A&M. This is a game, too, that I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year thought, you know what, LSU is going to be in trouble and probably be somewhere around 6-4. and four. And because they've got to go to A&M. The A&M hype is real, and uh, we've all kind of doubted it. I mean, listen, we, we played them too. Let's be honest. You know, it was a, uh, a fumble by K.J. Costello and a block punt. It was a difference in the game. They won 28-14. This is a team that's number five in the FBS playoff poll. And so they're winning games, but they're not dominating people. They did go down there and beat, they beat Florida in College Station, which was kind of the wake-up call. We're all like, wait a minute now. You know, A&M struggled against Vanderbilt, and then Alabama absolutely watershedded them. And you think, okay, 
well, A&M is not what we thought they would be. They're better than what I think most expect us to be. I actually picked them second in the West this year uh, to begin the year. But then as the season started, I said, well, you know, maybe I've just kind of fallen victim to the hype about A&M. And it's going to be a shame, too, because A&M, despite the great year they're going to have, they're kind of at the end of a talent cycle, and they're still not going to be good enough to get to Atlanta. And so the next year you begin to kind of rebuild again. Uh, so, you know, Kellen Mond will be gone. And they're, I think they're the most veteran team in the SEC West. I believe that's correct. I think they had the most returning starters in the West. And so they're going to lose all that and then kind of have to start fresh next year. Of course, Spiller will be back. And so they'll have a good running game. They're going to lose that veteran offensive line. So be that as it may, they may not make it to Atlanta. But if they went out, they could sneak into the playoff and then have a chance to play for a national championship despite not playing in the SEC championship game. I'm actually hoping that happens. I think that it's great for the league. I think it's great for the SEC West. Georgia will visit South Carolina. This could be the biggest blowout of the weekend. You know, we talk about Florida, Kentucky, but, you know, South Carolina, I think they're ready to get done. South Carolina beat Georgia last year in Athens. You know as well as I do, Kirby Smart's not going to let that team sneak up on them this year. I think Georgia goes out and looks to make a statement. JT Daniels played exceptional last weekend. Uh, about as good a ball placement as you're going to see on the college level is what you saw from JT last weekend. Even when there was coverage, it's just like that, uh, that great touchdown to Pickens in front of Emmanuel Forbes where he's rolling to his right and he kind of throws it sidearm and, and then uh, Pickens lays out and makes an incredible catch there. Even though it goes against us, you have to respect the effort. But I think JT Daniels has a huge game again this week. Uh, I could see him putting up SEC player of the week quality numbers. I think South Carolina's in a lot of trouble there. And that, really the question there is who gets the job. A lot of people think Billy Napier is the odds-on favorite there. And uh, I know I know some of our fans love to talk about Hugh Freeze. And I've, I've read that Hugh Freeze would prefer the Tennessee job. I didn't know the Tennessee job was open just yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think South Carolina probably hires Billy Napier. I know some people have mentioned the coach from Coastal Carolina. I don't think he's ready for that. I think Napier is a guy because of that recruiting footprint. That's one of the reasons that I was attracted to Billy Napier, too, as a candidate for Mississippi State, is the brand of offense that he runs, our recruiting footprint can can furnish that. We've got a bunch of guys that are dual-threat quarterbacks that can run and kind of, you know, uh, tuck it and go when they have to within our recruiting footprint. I think the same can be said for South Carolina. I think Billy Napier's offense will work. I don't know that, that they can kind of take a step forward and win uh, and go to Atlanta, especially with Florida and Georgia, uh, kind of becoming the dominant forces over there again. And then, you know, we'll see what happens in Tennessee. But, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, I think Kentucky missed their window, as did South Carolina. You know, Spurrier had them playing exceptionally well for a few years there, and uh, he's shown that you can win at South Carolina if you can recruit at a high level. That's where I think the challenge is for Napier. When you've been recruiting G5 players for as long as they have, how do you make the transition and get out there and kind of fight in the streets for people uh, when you historically haven't done that? That That is the biggest learning curve, I think, for every coach that comes into the SEC from the G5 or from the coordinator level is you just don't understand how bloody these recruiting battles get. That's the only concern I have about Napier, but I do think they are, they're good enough, him and Rob Sale, uh, schematically on offense to kind of you know threaten some people over there but in order for them to take a step forward in the SEC East they are going to have to recruit to the level they've never done before and uh, it's just a different dynamic I mean it really really is I mean you, you're going to be recruiting against Clemson in your home state and so while you should be used to losing the best players in your home state to LSU you know 
Alabama and Auburn and Mississippi State, Ole Miss and others are kind of over there recruiting. You're kind of getting the leftovers. Well, there's not going to be quite as many leftovers in the state of South Carolina as there would be in the state of Louisiana. And so you've got to build new relationships. It's going to be an uphill battle initially, but again, I like Billy Napier for the job. I just think it's going to take some time, and they're, they're going to need to be committed to that. Uh, I think you bring in Freeze, he might recruit better right out of the gate, but I think that also will probably lead to some additional problems. Saw Stan the man earlier today, Stan Ray of uh, Campus Bookmark, came by to see me earlier today. I had a chance to visit with him a little bit. He agrees with me. Mississippi State's got a good chance to win that ball game tomorrow. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody over there will take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are a family, which is why I saw Stan today. Stan came to see me, had a book that needed to be signed. So he drove it over. Said, hey, I got a customer that needs this book. He gets in a car, brings it over to me, has me sign it. You know, I even wrote a poem in it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these are people that are going to take care of you because it's not just a job to them. It's a passion. They love Mississippi State. They love Mississippi State fans, which is why they have committed their careers to carrying Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town, please visit them on campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Every Bulldog fan on your list would love to have some new gear from Campus Bookmart. There's new arrivals pretty much every week. You can check it out. Again, visit them, campusbookmart.net, and follow them on social media. They post their new stuff and their sales there first. You can go to Instagram, follow them there, Facebook, and uh, you can have that show up on your feed. There's enough stuff out there on your feed that's not useful, but the Campus Bookmart stuff would be great. Again, it's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So let's talk about State Ole Miss. You know, there have been so many games in the past. You know, every game you think, okay, I've got a good idea how this game is going to go. And just about every time the Egg Bowl makes you realize you don't know as much about this rivalry or about this sport as you think you do. It's very indicative of the the rivalry between the two schools is there have been times, I mean, listen, you go back, let's just back up here a few years, Okay. 1947 to 1963, Mississippi State went 0-16-3 against Ole Miss. We tied in 63, and then we won in Oxford in 64. Hole Granger and those guys went up there and won, and I interviewed Hole Granger about that a few years back, and he goes, man, you'd have thought we'd have won the national championship. It was such a party. Bill McGuire told me when, when, they, when they got back to campus – there were people coming up out of the sidewalks. There were so many people that were waiting on the team bus to arrive back on campus that they had never seen anything like it. It was a hero's welcome right here in Starkville. As they pulled up to the field house, fans and students ran from all over campus to welcome home our conquering heroes. They had ended the streak. We had won in 46 with Eagle Motlich and those guys, and we came back and we didn't win again until 1964. And for those of you that lived through that, my hat is off to you because you are better men and women than me. I don't know that I could have lived through that going nearly two decades without notching a win over Ole Miss. It's ridiculous. And one of the main reasons why, and I give Johnny Vaught credit for this, you know, Johnny Vaught made it a, you know, a practice, a regular practice to recruit World War II veterans. Alan McKean was somewhat reluctant to do that. We did, we did go recruit some. Ole Miss did a better job recruiting veterans. And that's really when, you know, the, 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 the series kind of shifted in Ole Miss's favor. You know, State had dominated the early part of this rivalry. 
And then it had kind of been back and forth for a while. But Johnny Vaught you know, was a great football coach. John Vaught actually, uh, you know, coached Harper Davis at the uh, Air Force Base there in uh, – in, uh, where was it? Um, it's an out down in Texas, in Corpus Christi, Texas. And that was prior to him getting the job at Ole Miss as the offensive line coach. And then, uh, you know, they made a change there, obviously, when, uh, you know, people kind of moved around and they hired Johnny Vaught. They promoted from within and hired John Vaught. And he made it a priority to go get these physically matured World War II veterans that were a lot more mentally tough than the regular high school kid from around the state of Mississippi. And so – that's one of the reasons that Ole Miss was able to kind of separate within the series. And then when Bob Tyler came along, things kind of swung back in Mississippi State's direction. You know, we'd won in 64, didn't win again until 1970. 1970, that's the Frank Dowsing, Robert Bell team that went up there and won. And I wrote about this in Starkville once I had the pleasure of interviewing Robert Bell. Robert Bell talked about what a big deal that was. You know, they give him hell Robert Bell stuff. And I had somebody reach out to me in one of the little neat little asides in Starkville ones. Is we the the famous maroon band was invited to play in the Greenwood Christmas Parade, and that was the biggest Christmas parade in the state of Mississippi. It's back when the Delta ran the state, and the director of the famous maroon band says, "Okay, we'll come do it, but we want to be the featured band. It's us and then Santa Claus." They agreed to do that, so the famous maroon band goes over, and those smarmy, smart aleck maroon band members, and I say that with as much love as possible, because what they did was incredible. We won the Egg Bowl 1914 and 1970. And so all those Ole Miss families and all those Ole Miss kids are all waiting for Santa Claus to pull through on the fire truck and wave to all the kids and tell everybody to be good. And then the marching cadence for the famous Maroon Band was 1914, 1914, 1914. So in between songs, they repeated the score of the Egg Bowl as they marched through the streets of Greenwood, Mississippi, and reminded everybody in attendance what the score was of the Egg Bowl, because we had finally won again. 1974, we won again with Rocky Felker, Walter Packer, Steve Freeman. Win that ball game going away 31-13. There are highlights of that on YouTube, which is amazing to me that somebody found that. They're narrated by Jack Crystal. Rocky Felker became a legend that day. He was already, you know, so beloved here. But uh, And he told me, you know, playing in Jackson, also I interviewed Howard Lewis and Rocky Felker and Stark Villains, and he talked at length about, you know, having all the state people on one side in Jackson and all the Ole Miss people on the other side, and to hear the wide range of emotions when a big play would happen for one team or another. And uh, he goes, you know, when, when you broke loose on a big run, you could see the state people beginning to get on their feet, and you see the Ole Miss people begin to sit down, you know. And so he enjoyed playing in Jackson, thought that was really cool, but uh, – you know, we ended up moving the game back. And, you know, I interviewed John Bond also in Starkville once, and he talked at length about the only two Egg Bowls that people remember that he played in are the two that we lost. You know, the Dick Pace game, uh, that dadgum Dick Pace, and then, uh, you know, the blown back game. You know, we, we won a couple other ones. You know, people seem to forget that. J- JB did win a couple of games and uh, could have easily gone 4-0 in the Egg Bowl like he did against LSU. Just goes to show you what a great QB John was. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. It just didn't happen for us. But uh, we were good enough to win, but uh, things happened. You know, we make a play in the end zone, and Dick Pace calls uh, pass interference. You can also see that play on YouTube. And then they give Ole Miss a free down at the one-yard line, last play of the game, and John Forcade scores, and the game is over. And uh, it all boiled down to an official's call. And then, of course, uh, Artie Cosby's uh, field goal. We kick it on third down and uh, drive down there with tornado sirens wailing and – 
And then we kick the field goal, and the wind knocks it down. As Dave Murray says, it's the only field goal in Egg Bowl history that both teams cheered. We cheer on the way up, Ole Miss cheer on the way down. We get a little bit later into the whole thing, and uh, you know Eric Underwood and that crew wrote about him and Alpha Dogs. Uh, you know, in the 87 Egg Bowl. You know, a lot of people weren't expecting us to do much that year. We found a way to win the game. We get into 91, of course, Sleepy Robinson. Sleepy Robinson shared with me and, and Alpha Dogs that, uh, you know, that his first uh, introduction into the Egg Bowl rivalry was uh, a fight breaks out his freshman year, and a uh, kicker from Ole Miss basically choked him out. <laughs> he said, so he made a commitment to himself. If I ever get a chance to play those guys again, I'll make them remember my name. And they did. And Sleepy Robinson, SEC Player of the Week that week when we beat Ole Miss that year. Michael Davis, Eric Moulds, also heroes. And I wrote about them on Alpha Dogs, the 93 Egg Bowl. Eric Moulds talks about the uh, you know, the flea flicker that, uh, that he catches from Ty Jordan that was a huge play in that ball game. Michael Davis and Kevin Bowie, of course, ran a rough shot over Ole Miss in 94. It's a great game. There have been a lot of great games. I can flash forward a little bit, think about, you know, Matt Wyatt, Kevin Sluter. Chris Rainey winning in a slop, 17 nothing in 96 in Oxford. Not a lot of people gave us an opportunity to win that game. We'd beaten Alabama. We beat Alabama, beat Ole Miss, saved Jackie Sherrill's job. We bounced back a couple years later. Of course, the uh, at 98 Egg Bowl, we win the West. We were able to parade around Vault Hemingway Stadium with the Golden Egg and kind of reminding them that we were on our way to Atlanta and we got to celebrate that, that event on their home field. 99, of course, you know about that. You know, the tip, the kick, and the pick. And a lot of people refer to it as a different name, but it all means the same thing. You know, it, the uh, the kick, the pick, and the kick, or whatever, however you want to call it. But it reminds me of Scott Westerfield, how money he was for us. And uh, DeCenzo Miller, nearly the, nearly the goat in that game, and not goat in a great way, had a couple of big fumbles in that game. And then we found a way to come back late, despite the fact that we were trailing 20 to 6 late in the fourth quarter. We, we win the ball game. CJ Shimon's with a big catch there. God rest his soul. We get into uh, 2001, of course, that's toward the end of the Jackie Sherrill years. Nobody gave us a chance to win that game either. Eli Manning and his crew came in here, expected to run right over us. Didn't work out that way. Corey Banks. Corey Banks. Two big interceptions in the game. Give Julie Dunn a lot of credit. We've made a decision pretty early in the ballgame. We're going to make Eli Manning uncomfortable. We did. Do a lot of picks that ballgame. Corey Banks made some big things happen. And that's, you know, the fact that we remember that name, it's he and C.J. Simone's, these are the games in which legends are made. So, you know, we kind of limped along for a while, you know, with, uh, you know, Sylvester Kroom comes in, you know, and we uh, – we win that that 05 Egg Bowl with Jerry Snowboard. You may recall, those of you that were in attendance, Jerry is having a big ball game and then limps off the field. We think he's done. He goes into the locker room. He gets some IV treatment. He comes back out. And when he came back out, everybody started cheering. And then all of a sudden, J-Rock starts jogging towards the huddle. And we knew then the day was ours. We win that ball game. We lose in 06. And we come back in 07. It's Kroom's best year. And who could ever forget Derek Pegues? Also, in Stark Villains, the big punt return there, and you know the, the, what always stands out to me is the great block by Threadgill, that, and that's kind of forgotten. That's the one that kind of freed DP. It was a low line drive directional kick, 
and he goes and fields it off the ground. They've been doing a good job against against him all game long, and then finally he gets loose. And Adam Carlson comes out and makes a kick of his life. Adam Carlson, a much maligned kicker here, really struggled at times to find some consistency. But on that particular day, that kick's probably good from about 65. He absolutely drilled it right down the middle and uh, changed the direction of many things around here. A lot of people's perceptions about our program changed on that day. Ole Miss had been out recruiting us according to recruiting rankings for a couple years, and we thought that was probably it. Dan Mullen arrived in 2009, and you may recall the week before the Egg Bowl, Houston Nutt was quoted as saying that uh, Ole Miss was getting strong, they were on the rise, and then, of course, we win the ball game. And the play that I remember more than any is Corey Broomfield's pick six where he kind of juked Jevin Sneed, God rest his soul, out of his shoes and scored to put the game away. And then somehow, some way after the ball game, somebody just hands Dan Mullen a mic and, and Dan says, you know what, there is one program on the rise here in the state of Mississippi. It's right here in Starkville, Mississippi. It was a chilling moment for us. The first of three consecutive wins, Chris Ralph, the quarterback in all three of them, the ultimate ultimate rebel killer, Chris Ralph. 2016, you know, we had kind of been up and down. I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't mention 2013. 2013, the Damian Williams game, and Dak comes in late. Dak became Dak. Dak became Dak in the Egg Bowl. You know, we kind of knew we had some big things brewing. You know, Dak had been up and down at 13. Tyler Russell had been hurt. We're starting our third quarterback, a true freshman. Nobody gave us a chance to win that game. And then we bring in Dak. Dak drives us down. Evan Sobias kicks the game time field goal. We go to overtime. We win the game. Dak became Dak. Then, of course, we go out there and blast Rice and Liberty Bowl. It was a 51-7. 2016. <laughs> See, even the dogs around here get excited, right? Apologize for that. 2016, nobody gave us a chance to go over there and win that game. Shea Patterson, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, they're all going to run all over us. And Nick Fitzgerald goes over there and sets a program record. And we win 55 to 20. Of course, Nick breaks his ankle in 2017. That's the only egg ball misses one here in recent years, and it took a uh, broken ankle to our starting quarterback in order for them to win by three. We come back in 2018, Nick Fitzgerald's redemption. He comes back, he works hard, very hard to be your quarterback. Comes back. And wins again. Arguably the greatest road quarterback in Mississippi State history when it comes to the Egg Bowl. Probably doesn't get enough respect around here for that. And then, of course, last year they come over here and we have the Golden Miss. Some other people have a more crude nomenclature for that game. But let's be honest. If we had batted that ball down on, what, 4th and 24, it wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. It wouldn't have been nearly as much fun. And Elijah Moore, of course, hikes his leg. And listen, Matt Crow, give him credit. Let us down. Let him, let him down and... They scored a touchdown late. Should have had a chance to tie it and send it to overtime. And I don't know if we win in overtime, to be honest with you. I'd like to think Garrett Schrader is enough of a playmaker on a 25-yard field. He could find a way to score several times. But as fate would have it, you know, Ole Miss did an Ole Miss thing. Elijah Moore wanted to uh, emulate DK Metcalf. Cost his team 15 yards. Very selfish play. And then Luke Long of uh, Press Christian pushes the ball right. We win the Egg Bowl, and we're headed to a ball game. And ultimately, we fired a coach that uh, beat Ole Miss twice and went to back-to-back bowl games. It's crazy to think about it. Never happened before in our history. We never had a coach that won the Egg Bowl and then lost his job in the same season. Not only did Joe win the last one, he won every Egg Bowl. Granted, it was just two, 
But I think about this year. I, I don't know what drama unfolds for us. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what we'll call this game. But I do expect Mississippi State to win the football game. I know some would suggest, well, Steve, that offense is prolific, and it is, that all Miss offense is outstanding. Some would say, you know what, Elijah Moore may be the best receiver that we've seen this year. He is really good. I don't know that I would say that he is the best, but he's certainly one of the best. He had three catches for 35 yards last year, and, of course, the big touchdown at the end, which led to the penalty that I don't think anybody will ever forget. Yes, they have a great rushing offense, and Matt Corral is a part of that. I think think Lane Kiffin is getting the best out of them they can possibly get. They had the benefit of having an open date last week, so they've had more time to prepare. But here's the thing. Everybody has a game plan until you come down and get punched in the mouth. It's Mike Tyson's quarter to say that. Until you get on the field with a 3-3-5 defense, you don't really know where we're coming from. You don't know. It's, we're going to blitz a lot. We blitzed Georgia a lot last week, and they had an offensive line that was able to kind of hold up on some of that. I don't know that that's going to be the case for Ole Miss. If they have to keep a running back in to kind of protect, that's one less guy in the pass pattern. I do think that uh, Ole Miss is a very prolific offensive team. And I also think their wide receiver group is very, very good. But they're not as good as what we saw against Georgia last week. I also don't believe that Matt Corral is as good as JT Daniels. He is very, very good. I'm not trying to be critical of him. But he is a guy that has shown, if you get in his face a little bit, he'll give you the football. We're going to need that. We're going to need some help. I believe whoever wins the turnover battle wins the ball game. And you know how these games go. Plays like that mean everything because it's a game of momentum. It's not like, okay, you go out there and you play. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get them next time. Everything means more in these rivalry games. I think based on the fact that Mike Leach gets it, I think your players get it, and I think you've got a roster full of Mississippi State guys that don't want to be the guys that graduate having lost to Ole Miss. You've got a group of seniors that have a chance to graduate with a 3-1 record against Ole Miss. There was a stretch there where there was a lot of Bulldogs that could say that. They had graduated with a winning record against Ole Miss. Guys like Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, Errol Thompson, Osiris Mitchell. They understand how important this game is, and nobody probably understands it more than the Mississippi kids. Will Rogers grew up in an Ole Miss family. Will Rogers' parents both attended the University of Ole Miss, or University of Mississippi, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I was channeling my inner Cordero Eason there. Uh, But he gets it. He understands how important this game is. I think it's more difficult. It's when you're a transplant, it's a little it maybe takes a year or two to kind of acclimate. But when you've been recruited by both schools, you got friends on the other side, you got enemies on the other side, it means a little more. I give state the advantage in that respect. When it comes to the intangibles, I give Mississippi State the advantage. I also want to point out, too, that uh, State has been in every ball game other than the Alabama game. And State hung in there for a while, but they wore us down unless we expected them to. A couple of miscues led to the margin of error in the A&M game. Miscues were the difference in the Arkansas game. Miscues were the difference in the Kentucky game. And I'm not talking about missed assignments or drop passes. I'm talking about game-changing picks. We go out there and play a good ball game and play clean, not turn the ball over. We got a good chance to win the football game. Now, is Ole Miss going to score? Absolutely, they are. Because we're a high risk return type defense. 
we're going to go get in your face, and you know what? We're going to leave our corner sometimes in man-to-man coverage, and if you can throw it up there and they can run underneath it, you're going to get us. But you know what? If you throw it enough times, we're going to catch some of those too. And I think we're due for a couple of picks there in the secondary. I really do. I think we're going to get some pressure and kind of force some ball placement issues. I think we're going to get out there and kind of give our guys a realistic chance to make some plays. I think everybody in that building understands this will make or break our season. If we go win this ball game, it gives us momentum. We find a way to beat Mizzou, end up going four and six, going to a ball game somewhere. All of a sudden, we've got juice going the next year. You lose this ball game, and everything kind of changes in a negative way. I expect Mississippi State to win the game. I think I picked it 31-27. I think it'll be a very, very close game. And I got Will Rogers throwing an interception. Pardon me. <laughs> Goodness. I got Will Rogers throwing a game-winning touchdown pass. How about that? I hope that wasn't a Freudian slip, right? I got Will Rogers being the hero in his first Egg Bowl, beating his old team. That's, that's how I see this thing playing out. And if Malik Heath is playing, and we think there's a chance that he may, if Malik Heath is playing – Jaden Wiley is playing. Austin Williams is playing. All of a sudden, you begin to look at this thing and say, okay, listen, we, we kind of match up with those guys pretty well in the secondary. Defensively, they're a team that, that has really, really struggled. We can find a way to get our backs out on the edge, force them to make tackles on open field, and they hadn't been a great tackling team. It could be an interesting night. I expect it to be a high-scoring ball game. I think both teams will score a lot. I really do. I think it's a product of their offense and their defense. But the game is going to be won and lost on our ability to defend them. If we can get some stops defensively, we're going to win a ball game. All right, speaking of winning ball games, uh, a guy that knows a lot about that is Brooks Bryan, former Mississippi State outfielder Brooks Bryan, did a great job when he was at Mississippi State, doing a great job now. Brooks is one of the developers for the great new residential complex here in Starkville Portico. You need to go by and check it out. It's uh, it's a pretty easy place to find, just 1.1 miles from campus, right there off of Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. Easy access to Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses in the development total. 18 houses already nearing move-in condition. The other 33 houses will be- begin construction after the turn of the year. Houses will range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet and from two-bedroom, two-bath up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. If you would like to talk to Brooks about this or really anything else, give him a call. No, really, give him a call. Make sure it's serious. He'll talk some baseball with you, too. A guy loves Mississippi State, man. And I love doing business with Bulldogs when I can. Brooks' phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. All right, let's talk a little recruiting. Uh, DeMarcus Smith, defensive end out of Alabama, originally committed to Ole Miss. It wasn't a big surprise, but uh, there was a time that he was ready to commit because of state's interest in him. He kind of prolonged his decision, then backed off of that decision, and then there was a lot of discussion about Tennessee and other schools and South Carolina. South Carolina, of course, now going through a coaching change. DeMarcus Smith announces today his top two Mississippi State Ole Miss. All right, if I had to call it today, I'm going to say Mississippi State. I've already put in a crystal ball pick for DeMarcus Smith and Mississippi State. I expect him to pick Mississippi State. And the people say, well, you know, Steve, are they going to flip their own recruit again? I don't think that's the case. But I do think there's some people that maybe didn't fully appreciate that Ole Miss was still very much in the mix with him 
And so I'm not the least bit surprised the final two are State and Ole Miss. I think he's going to pick Mississippi State, and I think he's going to stick. I think he's going to sign with Mississippi State in December and end this whole process. Now, Steve Wolfong of 247 Sports, our friend, had an article earlier today about MJ Daniels and said, well, I'm committed, but I'm not. Okay, he's committed. This is another guy that's still continuing to kind of to kind of work through the process. And uh, there were some sources, you know, that said, hey, Ole Miss is making a run at him. And then, then MJ tells Steve Wolfong, a national analyst, 247 Sports, that actually the only team that's really kind of, you know, if, if he had to pick somebody besides Mississippi State, it'd be Texas A&M. And I've said on this show many times that I don't know who Ole Miss folks are talking to about MJ Daniels, but whoever it is has misled them the entire process. Because every time somebody is an objective third-party person or MJ himself speaks, it kind of speaks in the face of what uh, you know the Ole Miss fan base media is reporting. MJ Daniels on record today saying, yeah, I'm committed to Mississippi State. They're number one. And if I did change, it'd be A&M, not Ole Miss. That's not what they've been saying. They've been saying that they're charging hard and he's reconsidering and thinking hard about Ole Miss. Ole Miss is in his heart. It's what they said two weeks before he committed to Mississippi State. So take all that with a grain of salt. I think in the end, it probably means Demarcus Smith, Ty Cooper, your defensive ends in this class. And if that's the case, I think if State gets two of the three guys, of Jaden Jones, Demarcus Smith, and Ty Cooper, then State's done really well at defensive end considering the prospects available to them in this class. We'll kind of wait and see how that happens. Dylan Spencer from Madison Central. We talked about him on Wednesday. He does have an offer from Mississippi State this go-around. Went into the transfer portal here a couple weeks ago. Started some this year from Mizzou as a true freshman because of COVID. But he got out there and played pretty well. But he's too far from home, looking to get back closer to home. And, um, you know, as a matter of fact, he's back in Madison now. And uh, I, I am told that he is looking to stay in state. Now, I don't know if state has really ramped it up with him yet. And we still got, what, three weeks to kind of figure this thing out. I don't get the sense that State has said, hey, listen, you are our guy. But I think that if he wanted to commit, they would take him. Now, that's not to say that there's somebody else out there like Austin Barber out of Jacksonville, Florida, that couldn't take that spot ahead of Dylan. I think with some of these guys, there are probably three or four guys for that fifth and final offensive line spot, but it's kind of a first cup, first serve thing. I think those guys are so similar but you know what? If one of those guys says, you know what, Coach, I'm ready to be Bulldog, then that ends it. If that's Dylan Spencer, I think that ends it. If that's Austin Barber, I think that ends it. As simple as that. I think that's kind of where we are. I think there's just a handful of guys now that are still really in the mix for that fifth and final offensive line spot. And I think if they decide to make a call today, then everybody else is kind of left out in the cold. Also of note, too, McKaylin Pounders, longtime Mississippi State commitment. McKaylin Pounders announced yesterday on his personal Twitter account that he will be signing in December. There had been some Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, and others, Memphis, that had tried to get him to prolong the process with the thoughts that, you know what, maybe we'll be able to take visits in January. And, of course, the NCAA extends a dead period, kind of removing the possibility of that taking place. And so he has announced, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to go ahead and sign in December. So some people are thinking, oh, well, maybe he'll flip. That's not the information that I have. The information that I have is he's locked in with Mississippi State. Yes, he's still talking to some other schools, kind of working his way through the process, but uh, his commitment to Mississippi State remains firm, and uh, we look forward to him being a Bulldog. He and his good friend Nick Jones that is going to sign with Mississippi State in December out of East Mississippi Community College. They were high school teammates, and as Nick says, McKaylin is probably the closest thing to little brother that he has. All right, we're going to get out of here. Looking forward to being back with you guys. And uh, if we win the ball game tomorrow, we'll do a Facebook Live over on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. If you hadn't liked that page, please do. 
We don't put any VIP content over there, just our free content. You can stay up to date with what's going on right over there. If you're looking for books, and you darn well should be, you visit alphadogsthebook.com. It's alpha, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you can get Stark Villains, Flim Flam, or Alpha Dogs right there, personalized to all the Bulldogs or your Ole Miss brother-in-law. I'm happy to sign them for whoever. You buy them, I'll sign them, and you can send them wherever you want to. Uh, but nevertheless... You can find all the books right there. They're, they're all doing great. Thank you guys so much. Alpha Dog still on the bestseller list. And if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and you should, go to StarkVillains.com. And listen, kids love hoodies. Everybody does. And if you're in the local area, you can find them in your school colors. Uh, we, we did that special because we want to be uniform compliant for all you schools around here. So you can wear your school colors and then rep the brand. at StarkVillains.com. That's going to do it for today. Back on Monday, hopefully we're celebrating a win in the golden egg. Uh, I'm hoping we get to keep that thing for a while. How cool would that be? And I think this might be the most vulnerable that we are. I think we win this one. We might go on a pretty good streak here. And uh, wouldn't that be nice? Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make our friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.